Welcome to Lords of the Law Box, which counts the cover price comic book shakers of the week. I got uh, some two new guests with me this week. I'm excited for. I hope they don't get too nervous, but we are here to support them fully. As you guys congregate and kick back, relax, put on your headgear, let's say the word. officially a party you've been baptized game say what's good to the people yo what up everybody welcome back to the thursday's awesome shaker show we got two great guests on here today everybody show them some love in the chat got some fun stuff to talk about with this That's list. Right. so you get back ready to again. learn back again our friend g uh, g i was gonna go <laughs> g jeff from geek driven say what's good to the people what's going on everyone thank you again for having me um just uh, glad to be here and uh, can't wait to talk about the Shakers list. That's right. And making her inaugural appearance, I've met her at WonderCon finally, is Natalie, a.k.a. D-Comic Queen. Not DC Comic Queen, it's D-Comic Queen. Natalie, see what's good to the people. Hey, guys. Um, yes, it's D-Comic Queen, but uh, you can call me Nat. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on here. 
Yeah, it's it's good to get you on here. Very knowledgeable gal. So we're going to put her to the gauntlet of just reading words. So let's get right to it, boys and girls. This is the Cover Price Shakers of the week. This list comes from our friends at Cover Price, focusing on new high sales or the most interesting sales found on the exclusive daily Shakers list. This list changes several times a day. So make sure you check it out every day. Review some of the hottest trending books on the market and today's list is very very accessible i would say there's a lot of uh kind of comic book or excuse me cartoon theme books on here as well it's kind of an interesting list uh so i think it's attainable you can get a good maybe three for ten i don't know four for ten maybe oh for ten i don't know let's get right things started gay what do we got out first this one right. should be in everybody's collection yeah this is a this is a great book uh, Amazing Spider-Man 252 from Marvel Comics back in 1984. This is the first appearance of the black suit Spider-Man, just barely predating publications for both Marvel Team-Up number 141 and Spectacular Spider-Man number 90. Chronologically, Secret Wars 8 is the origin story of the black suit. However, the first publication of the black suit was indeed Amazing Spider-Man 252. When 252 came out, there was no explanation yet as to where the new suit came from. Cover artist Ron Friends used this opportunity to create a cover swipe homaging Amazing Fantasy 15, and wow, did he deliver on that. Last week saw a huge sale of a 9.9 graded copy going for a whopping, wait for it, $24,000. The last time a 9.9 sold was in August of 2014 for a uh, comparatively measly $3,100. And there are only eight graded 9.9s on the CGC census. Talk about trending up. With so few sales in a 9.9, it's hard to judge the fair market value, but you can bet it has risen significantly higher since this sale. You know, you know what this deserves? Damn! <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine this book in a nine in a nine point nine because simply because uh, the paper stock that was used for the cover, right? It was really flimsy. I mean, you're you're lucky to get a nine point eight. So I mean, there's a you know nine point eight. So darn, I would say they're around four or five hundred, but nine point nine for twenty four grand. Yo, that is not so bonkers. So amazing Spider-Man number two fifty two. Some soul out there spent twenty four grand for a nine point nine. And you know what? I'm happy for you, man. That's a good deal because you know not many on the market. So at least much love to the seller on that one, buddy. Yeah, let's hope it's not a PGX 9.9, but yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go from Amazing Spider-Man to uh, one of my favorite goofy covers. All right, well, we have The Brave and the Bold, number 54 from DC Comics, published on June 1st, 1964. It looks like it sold for a raw comic $1,502 on May 29th. Uh, the Brave and the Bold started as an anthology series before pivoting around issue number 25 toward the introduction of new characters and groups like the Teen Titans. The Titans are a generational group with a myriad of rosters spanning decades at the forefront of comics and TV. The original three members in Robin, Aqualad, and Kid Flash aren't even referred to as the Teen Titans until six issues later in Brave and the Bold number 60. But after saving a town with their own unique brand of justice and power subsets, they have forever been known as such. That all started with this book, and all the recent attention has sent fans to the aftermarket to pick up their first appearance. 
while it can be had for under $100, you know, quality reflecting the price, of course, the highest, the higher grade raw copies are on the rise with the outlook even higher. We tracked an all-time high sale of $1,502 for a 9.4 high grade raw copy, an $850 rise from his previous high sale. Wow. Uh, with Robin being the de facto leader of the Titans and the shows like Titans and Gotham Knights, it's no wonder fans are taking a harder look at this book and team. While Robin and Kid Flash have had their fair share of depictions in the media, Aqualad has been relatively left out, but reportedly not for long. Per Collider, an Aqualad origin story with Charlize Theron set to produce is actually in, de in development for HBO Max. This book isn't necessarily plentiful, and with momentum and increased demand for high-grade books driving the price even higher, it will be interesting to see just how far it can go. That's interesting. I wonder the what version of Aqualad should be using because there's the uh, the Young Justice version as well, right? Um, the animated Young Justice version of Aqualad. Is he still called Aqu Aqualad and Young Justice? Um, I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen um, a new season, but he still is. Isn't he now yeah. In, yeah. in Young Justice? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, obviously, uh, shout out to Ryan, because I know uh, Darkstar Jedi is probably the biggest Teen Titans fan I know, and he has collected every single damn thing that has to do with Titans. So Brave and a Bold issue number 54 from 1964, $1,500 for a raw dog. That's amazing. All right, Natalie, you're up next. What have we got? All right. So for number three, we have Daring Love number one from Stanley Morris. And this book came out in 1953. And you know what's actually daring? Paying $39.50 for a raw comic with an imminent hayloft liaison about to happen on the cover. Published in 1953 by Stanley Morris, owner of Key Comics, a competitor of Easy Comics, Daring Love was one of the several pulpy soap opera-esque romance comics that dominated the post-superhero market. After the shine of the golden age faded and superheroes lost their popularity, Horror, sci-fi, and romance comics became all the rage, and these genre books reached a fever pitch of popularity in the mid-1950s. Creating comics then was not the coveted dream job it is now. It was where a writer artist ended up, not where they ascended to. If you were an illustrator or commercial writer that needed work, you worked on horror and romance books. It was into this environment that the legendary Steve Ditko arrived, and we recently covered his first professional comic work in Fantastic Fears, Volume 1, Number 5. But that work was delayed, not seeing released until after his story in this romance anthology was published. Chronologically, the chap who co-created Spider-Man, Steve Ditko's first published comic work, appears here. Now somebody tell those two to get out of the hayloft. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um I, I would have never known this was Steve Ditko's first work. Uh, famously, if you ever seen interviews with Stanley when he first started with Marvel or Timely, he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. Right, he was doing like these cowboys or romance comics, and then and then his wife told him, you know, hey, don't give up. And that's when he started, and that's when he came up with the Fantastic Four, and then yes, everything changed from that. But uh, to think, you know, 
you know, couldn't be a shaker soul without some type of a romance comic or a science fiction comic or horror comic. I'm telling you, man, these things are making a, a renaissance comeback for, especially if my guess 3950 for a raw comic, it was in high grade, you know, especially from 1953. But, uh, and I, these, I would say this categorizes as a, as a good girl cover too, right? I mean, it looks pretty like it, but, uh, Naughty, naughty on the haystack, have you? Not bad at all, Natalie. Not bad at all for your first one. I think you killed it. So uh, let's get on to the next one. What do we got for uh, Gabe? All right. This next one here is right up my alley. The only thing I like more than 90s comics is 90s cartoons. So we're going to be talking about Darkwing Duck number one. This is a James Silvani 2010 San Diego Comic Con exclusive from Boom Studios. Disney's afternoon cartoon block of shows in the 90s included DuckTales, Tailspin, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, and Darkwing Duck was an after-school daily routine. The nostalgia many of us feel for these shows and characters are palpable. As young comic fans, Darkwing was in many ways an extension of Batman, playing into many of his tropes and characteristics. When Boom picked up the comic book property, it was a no-brainer to create homage variants to Batman's classic covers. There are numerous homage variants that all do very well. However, this Dark Knight homage is uh, incredibly on point. Limited to only 500 copies, this this rare variant hit a huge new high sell last week of $750 for a 9.8. Let's get dangerous, everybody. These uh these '90s comics uh, cartoon books are blowing up. That is, seven fifty for a nine point eight for uh, for this is is crazy crazy money. And love the show, funny, love everything to do with it though. Yeah, what's funny is Darkwing Duck is you know the is is for kids, but it's such an adult homage. If you think of the Dark Knight Returns, right? It's like we're talking like total antithesis of what it is. But you know, either way, it's still pretty cool from uh, Boom Studios. So yeah. Darkwing Duck, number one, 2010 San Diego Comic-Con. I'm telling you, the, everybody's uh, digging these. And this won't be the first time you see another book based on a cartoon on this list. Um, so we go from Darkwing Duck to something a little bit darker and more sidious. Oh, yeah. We got Marvel Comics Super Special number one. I mean, this kiss is all over the cover. Uh, by Marvel Comics in 1977. History was made when a raw copy of this infamous book sold for $530. A Marvel Comics super special written and illustrated by Steve Gerber and John and Sal Buscema and others. This was among the first in a series of pervasive licensed Kiss merchandise. It is impossible to overstate Kiss's impact in 1977. The band had harnessed relatively simple rock and roll, outlandish costumes, stylized kabuki makeup, and four distinct personas for each member to become household names. Lifelong comic fan Gene Simmons was very influenced by comic books, making a promotional collaboration with Marvel Comics inevitable. The comic created to coincide with Kiss's 1977 world tour tells the origin of the group's alter egos, the demon, the star child, the cat, and the space ace, respectively. Featuring Dr. Doom attempting to acquire the totems that give Kiss their powers, the comic also includes appearances by the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and yes, this time, Mephisto actually makes appearance. Oh yeah, remember how I said this comic was infamous? Each member of the band have led, drawn and added to the red ink for the comic. If you want to own an actual piece of Kiss, 
this is your best chance. So that's, I mean, I always wondered if that was real, if they actually used the blood of the KISS members for the ink. But, you know, it, it says it on the cover. You know, uh, when I was a kid, you got to think I was born in 71. When I was a kid, I was terrified of KISS. I mean, now when I think we hear KISS music, it's kind of almost funny. But, yo, Gene Simmons and the tongue and the blood and everything, that terrorized the hell out of me. And I remember... I was forced to go to church as a kid, and they used to say that they were uh, "Kiss" stood for Nate Knights in Satan's service. Yes, that's that's uh, that, you know it <laughs> goes play those records back. backwards. <laughs> play oh, those yes. records, yeah, exactly. It was like Knights in Satan's service, and when I back, I was scared. But then you know, you know, they went to their disco phase, and then uh, they did the weird album where they took off all their makeup. And you're like, that's Kiss. Oh, <laughs> put your makeup back on. Come on, guys. But yeah, Gene Simmons. Uh, I've seen. Uh, we're, Fun fact, uh, his son, do you remember there used to be a Gene Simmons reality show? Family Family Jewels or something it was called? Yes. Exactly. And his yeah. son was at a Comic-Con and, my, uh, and my, my daughter took a picture with him. And he's like this huge six foot five, six six skinny guy. And all my daughter remember was, oh, my God, he had horrible B.O. Because he had like a tank top on. So that's <laughs> oh, my kiss. It goes full circle. That's my kiss story. So because he was like full on pits exposed, like, you know, tank top. And, you know, and she was short. So she she stood where his armpit was. She goes, oh, my God, he has B.O. But, you know, she was what she dug the reality show. I don't even think she know who Gene Simmons was. But Kiss, $530 for a raw comic, man. And look at that full, that, full, that that covered wraparound. That is absolutely dope. But look at Dr. Doom thinking, hmm, I could play better bass than Eugene Simmons. You know, he's thinking that. All right, uh, what do we got up next? All right, so we got Mega Man number one, the hollow foil variant. And this is from Dream Wave Productions by Matt DeVoe. With Netflix's Mega Man still in development, collectors have been quietly picking up this rare foil variant for his first U.S. comic appearance from Dreamwave Comics. If you look at the success of video game staples like Sonic and Mario, Link, etc., this blue, blue bomber has been immensely undervalued. However, that does seem to be shifting as raw copies have had recent sales of $118 this week and an all-time high raw sell of $125 in April. It's really hard to get a picture of a hologram graphic. Um, uh, Matt DeVoe does a lot of things, but uh, he was the writer of the article, not the actual writer of the comic. Uh, who knows? Maybe he did write it, but, you know, it's just my fault I put it in there. But Matt DeVoe is the founder of uh, Cover Price, and he, and, he write, and he wrote these. But I don't know who wrote this, to be honest with you. Uh, Mega Man? Jeez. Uh, but I remember Dreamwave uh, Productions. Uh, I meant, uh, yeah. Gabe, weren't we talking about this like a week or two ago? Yeah, because we were talking about uh, Pat Lee and the uh, Transformers comic that there was coming yes. Dreamwave Dream awesome. used to have some awesome artists that had a very distinct style uh when they came out and then I don't know what happened just folded under or the decent they went oh, in under there's a lot of bad stuff happening behind uh the, the doors of Dreamwave like he Pat Lee closed the, closed the shop didn't pay a bunch of people uh, you know uh, apparently and things like that like it really got shut down in a bad way and he kind of skipped town apparently and not paid anybody oh my god that's awful see you yeah. want the behind the scenes gabe will tell it to you man so mega man number one the hollow foil variant from dreamwave productions which is a shame that's they had a really kind of interesting 
almost, I wouldn't say it was anime manga style, but it was like Chinese inspired anime, if that makes sense, since Pat Lee was, was Chinese. So, uh, you know, they, but it, they had a very distinct Asian style for the stuff that they, they had drawn prior to that. Uh, so we go from Mega Man to the real Ghostbusters. All right, real Ghostbusters number one, but double check because this is the newsstand that we're talking about from Now Comics 1988. Who are you going to call the real Ghostbusters? Well, if you have $1,175, that's what a buyer just paid for the first issue and first American comic appearance of the beloved Ghostbusters in a CGC graded 9.8. Published by Now Comics in 1988, the short-lived but very fondly remembered comic continued the adventures of everyone's favorite paranormal investigators and showcased early work by comic book icons Dan Abbott and Andy Landing, Marvel's Annihilations and Guardians of the Galaxy team. The licensed book by Now Comics tied into the animated series of the same name and gave birth to Slimer's Ecto Cooler, which was amazing. That uh, legendary high sea drink people ravagely hunt down every time it's available. Yep, that drink began as a cross-promotion with this comic book. Running from uh, 1988 through 1992, The Real Ghostbusters was a fun book that is finding new fans amongst nostalgic uh, 80s kids and newer fans hungry for more 1980s content. It all started here with this issue uh, resurfacing with a 2021 film and as Halloween costumes worn by the Stranger Things kids in season two, Ghostbusters still haunts the imaginations of fans 38 years after the original film. This comic is a key piece of the franchise's history and is still very much sought after. Why are they the real Ghostbusters? Was there another Ghostbusters that I don't know about? Why are they yeah. the real Ghostbusters? There's another cartoon that came out about the same time, yes. just called Ghostbusters, and mm -hmm. it's a completely different thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't trademarked or copyrighted correctly, but they rode around in like a weird, like flying car and, and things like that. Everybody should Google it and check it out. But yeah, they had yeah. to differentiate themselves by putting the real Ghostbusters. Actually, I actually love the film that they just did. What it was last year or two years ago? Uh, oh, the one with the uh, ant-man in it yeah Paul Rudd. Yes. Ant that was yeah. i thought it was great great nostalgia you know great everything you know you know they brought back most of the the prime and it, was a, it got you right in the feels a little bit i don't want to give too much away spoiler alert i meant i guess is it i can do spoiler alert right what's his name uh kind of comes back and as a ghost form and i was like it got me right in the feels especially if uh. you're a, 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 a kid that grew up watching the, the first Ghostbusters films, just like, you know, Top Gun Maverick. I saw that yeah. and I was, you know, got you right in the feels in some certain spots because it's nostalgia. I'm telling you, it's nostalgia buys are a big thing. I think Ghost, Ghostbusters was the first film I saw in theaters as a kid. And another really cool fact, they keep talking about the animated series in this. The animated series, uh, if I remember correctly, and this, this ties back into comic books, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, I think, wrote a bunch of those episodes. Wow. So yeah, a bit more I would I, I always always brag tell people on this show about how awesome Abnett and Lanning are as a writing duo, especially mm -hmm. on the Marvel Cosmic stuff. They absolutely if you haven't read the the Annihilation run by Abnett and Lanning or forget Bendis's uh Guardians of Galaxy, uh the Abnett and Manning uh, did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy first, and they also did the Nova series. All Best incredible. stuff they ever did. That stuff yes. was great. Yes. And, then, yeah. Yeah, and, and then Bendis took it over, and they ended up using Bendis' iteration for 
um, adaptation for the movies, right? Not really the kind of team that, you know, Abbott and Lennon, because that team had like Bug and some other weird people on it, you know, it was, but it's a great run if you haven't read it. So the real Ghostbusters number one newsstand, though, 17, 1,175 for 9.8. I don't think I've ever seen this in person, to be honest with you, but yeah. Uh, so we go from one cartoon to another cartoon. Well, we've got Simpson number Simpson Comics number one to one point nine five. It's the Bart Code edition from Bongo Comics, pr- published in nineteen ninety three by Matt DeVoe. We recently covered the first appearance of the Simpsons in Simpsons Comics and Stories number one. This week, we're covering the hard to find Bart Code edition of the first issue on the ongoing Core Simpson series. The first four Core Simpson centric comics from Bongo in nineteen ninety three. Radioactive Man number one, Bartman number one, Itchy and Scratchy Comics number one, and Simpsons Comics number one each featured three versions. The first print featured a special feature. Bartman, The Simpsons, and Itchy and Scratchy both had a free poster while Radioactive Man had a glow-in-the-dark cover. The second edition featured a standard barcode of which we call new, well, obviously in comic book layman terms, a new stand edition. However, the third edition, while not a third print, featured a barcode. Playing on the word barcode, each of these flagship titles featured a different piece of Bart's head. Um, And right there, you see the the picture. Um, When you line the books up next to each other, they combine to make one full image of Bart Simpson. These barcode versions are very tough to find. They get picked up almost immediately. However, many sellers also tend to sell them cheap, not knowing that this version should sell for a premium. However, that didn't happen this week as it hit a new all-time high sale of $766 for a 9.8. Yeah. The old barcode. Uh, if, if, if we could see it here. Do you see? So in the regular cover, you see in the lower right-hand corner, uh, you put all four of them together and you get the barcode. So there you go. You learn something every day, boys and girls. Simpsons number one, the 1.95 barcode edition from Bongo Comics. Man, Simpsons is, uh, they uh, we had Radioactive Man on here before. We've had some other things. So, I mean, you know, longest running uh, show ever, actually, I think. I think it finally beat out uh, Flintstones for like the longest running like primetime show. I mean, animated or live action. I think Simpsons owns the record for the longest. It's been around since what, the 80s? I mean, if you think about it, on uh, when, when, when Fox's formative years, when they first came on the air, right? It was like, you know, now Disney owns Simpsons. So, man, yeah. it keeps going and going, and Bart just stays the same age. I wish I could have the same juice he has, man. So, <laughs> Simpsons number one. All right, what do we got up next, Natalie? We have Transformers the movie number one from Marvel Comics, and this came out in 1986. So Transformers the movie may have been a box office flop, but it resonated with all of the kids that love the Saturday morning cartoon. It was probably the first cartoon to make me cry with the death of beloved Optimus Prime. And it also introduced us to new characters, two of which make their first appearance in this comic book, in Ultra Magnus and Galvatron. Raw books don't sell for much and have a... Fair market value of only ten dollars, but there was a massive sell of a nine eight for five hundred and fifty dollars on April twenty three of this year, followed by another nine eight for five hundred and twenty five dollars on May thirty first of this year, and no one is crying about these prices. 
Yeah, you guys, I remember when Transformers, the movie, was shown on the big screen. Oh, it man. was oh. life-changing, oh. right? It was awesome. It um, killed everybody's it killed childhood. killed my childhood, dude. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was rough. Fun fact. So on the Canadian DVD version, they have the word shit in the movie. Uh, one of the characters says, oh, shit, which is mm-hmm. not in the American version. And I and so when I found out the, about this in like the early 2000s, we're talking like the early 2000s was like, you know, eBay's uh, formative years. I went and sought it out. So I wonder if it's worth anything now that people are selling like VHS and uh, DVDs. Because I, I actually have the Canadian version of the Transformers DVD. Look it up. They actually say a Spike or one of the characters, he, they're getting tagged and he goes, oh shit. <laughs> you know, but that is omitted from the uh, American release when it, but it, you know, apparently Canadians are okay for kids to say shit, but not in the U S so Transformers, the movie number one, not has a, a Transformers series come out yet. That has even matched this movie still. I, I don't, you know, story-wise, whatever. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, the music, that movie's still awesome. I don't know if anybody's yeah. seen it recently. I watch it every so often. I have like the DVD of it too. It's still great. It's you got to see it on a big screen. Every now and then they have like a Transformers like anniversary and they'll show it on the big screen. And you had to see of it on the big screen to see. Uh, and then Orson Welles kind of booming voice as, yes. uh, what was his name? The giant, what was the giant? Uni- Unicron. 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 And I think it was Orson Welles who voiced Unicron. I mean, that's. Yeah. That was his last of- role before he died. And Spock yeah, was Galvatron. Yeah. That's kind of amazing to get Orson Welles to do a Transformers. You guys don't understand. Like, or, you know, that's like James Earl Jones doing, you know, a voiceover for like, you know, I don't know, uh, 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 Simpsons. Uh, what I want to say Simpsons because tons of actors have done cameos in that. But on the big screen, it's, it's kind of incredible. But yes, uh, Optimus Prime does die. Spoiler alert. Uh, or Optimus Prime ends up taking. Dude, everybody the, dies in that movie. <laughs> and that in, and, yeah, they tear shit up. Uh, you know, because yeah. it's kind of like in a Transformers uh, show. Just like his G.I. Joe show, nobody ever died. Like, you know, they shoot down an airplane, everybody jumps out of a parachute on the G.I. Joe. They died viciously in this movie. It was just so that they could get the new toys to sell. They they, they they began the the movie. They began the movie that way. (laughs) Rough. Poor Ironhide gets it so bad. It's, oh, they get it (laughs) terribly, dude. I got to wonder if we're streaming on who owns the IP for it because I got to think it belongs to somebody, right? I mean, nowadays, you know, it's got to be on either. HBO Max or Prime or Netflix or somewhere. I want to rewatch it because I mean, it's just the music. You got the touch. You got the, oh, power. the Stan Bush song. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, but yeah, man, that song is epic. I and I know it's like full on hair metal when you look at the video, but when it, when you hear that song and that scene, you're just oh. like you get goosebumps. I, you know what? I'm gonna have to rewatch it again soon. All right. So Transformers the movie issue number one from 1986 to 9.8 for 550 bucks seems rather low. I think that's uh, actually low priced, being that I kind of want it. They're rebooting the Transformers <laughs> yeah. franchise, right? Uh, Bumblebee was kind of the first film in it, and you know, you know, Mike, you know, finally Michael Bay is loosening the reins, letting other people do it. And, and you know what? I le- I loved Bumblebee. I thought it was a great movie. So you know, because uh, I think Michael Bay just kind of ran out of ideas when he did like, uh, you know, you know, Optimus Prime. Was he riding a ride dinosaur or some shit? I don't know. He, I did, he just ran <laughs> yeah. out of ideas. That Bumblebee movie was great because they had the original designs for the characters. It was very yeah. 80s. It was great. And Kate Bishop yeah. was in it. Haley Steinfeld was in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go, yeah. All right. Uh, so Transformers movies, we'll go to our last one and then stick around, boys and girls. We'll see what's shaking today. Uh, what have we got for the last one on the list? All right, coming up last but not not least is this uh, beautiful, amazing, or excuse me, Uncanny X-Men number four. This is the uh, 
the Brooks Hidden Gem variant from 2018. Mark Brooks is one of the comics industry's best. His highly polished style gives his work a distinct and recognizable style. We covered one of his Psylocke convention covers for Astonishing X-Men a few weeks ago, and now here's another one. Right at release, this 1 in 100 hidden gem variant was immediately selling for 150 bucks and climbed to a height of 250 Years later, it settled down to about $100 raw, and 9.8's going for a fair market value of about $450. However, along with his Astonishing X-Men Psylocke cover, Prices have been moving up for this 1 in 100 ratio. Raws have hit the highs of 260 with an all-time high sell of $680 for a 9.8 that sold this week. Pay close attention to Mark Brooks' incentive and convention covers. They are on the move. That is uh, that is incredible. Uh, my, they did I a statue my- of this, too. This yeah, I, there's some awesome Mark Brooks covers that he did specifically just for Psylocke. Um, and uh, Mark Brooks, I mean, he's part of that. Uh, what are the comic sketch, whatever? What is that? Comic sketch company? art. Yeah. Is he still part of that? As far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have a stable of artists that they have exclusive for. And you could typically buy them on their website. These kind of, But the hidden gem variants are typically released through diamond uh through marvel publishing like you'll see them every now and then they'll just have like this hidden gem variant that you have to go find out like you know i, I gotten some uh dr strange ones that were hidden gem variants that were you know like you know sometimes they're you know you know the other cover they sometimes are one in 50 one in 25 but uh still very very cool to look out for so uh jeff if you have a few minutes to stick around if not yes. you know uh uh yeah. you want to stick around or you want to you gotta go i can stick around for like 10 minutes all right, so we're going to see what's shaking today, boys and girls. Uh, and uh, let me make the seamless transition from uh, this to that, uh, like I say every week, when it never really ever seems really streamless. <laughs> seamless. <laughs> I can't even say the word. Uh, let's see what's shaking today, boys and girls, as we go on the, uh, the Cover Price website and look to see what is shaking. Do, do, do. Full screen. Look at that. Look at, I'm just, look at that. Boom. Skidish. Wow. Perfectly All seamless. Right? Right, yes. purposely seems it only took me like 10 seconds. Uh, this is the cover price website. You can see this is the top 10 very interesting list that we cover every Tuesday at 6 p.m. These are movers that most units sold this week. Very interesting list. Oh, look at Obi Wan, uh, Thor still making a move, Gunslinger Spawn, Spawn. I'm telling you, Spawn. I wonder why this Avengers uh number, I wonder why this is moving, but uh, hmm, it's the first appearance of Vibranium Man. Very good. I see. I see. <laughs> Natalie was going to break out of her she show. She got us on that. That's great. Yeah. Job, oh, guys, man. it's on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> you got us there. All right. Uh, so this is the Shakers list where we look Uh-oh. at the biggest sales um, either, you know, or uh, of the week. Um, as you can tell, you know, the usual suspects there. Uh, X-Men, look at that. Uh, 4.0 for 15 grand. Holy cow. I remember when a 4.0 was like, you can get it for like 3,000, 4,000. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Nobody uh, cared yeah. about that book until like the last couple of years. It's great seeing these these prices. Same with that that Galactus or that Silver Surfer. Yep, I have this and you 7. got that 5. one. Yep, and it, mine is uh, is exactly a seven point five and a seven point oh. five so for forty eight hundred. But you know us, we love a, a goofy, fun uh, Golden Age covers. Look at this, more fun comics. 
all original, all new. Look at these rancid kids. <laughs> 19, 1936. 1936. Look at that. A raw comic sold for $4,827. They didn't have backpacks back then for their books. They used a pen. <laughs> no, they just, uh, they just tied it up in like a string and then threw it over their backs, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember like uh, when they ever showed like the cartoons, like kids hitchhiking, the hitchhiking, and it was just a it was a stick tied to a bag, yeah. and they would just like, yeah, it was just like a red <laughs> handkerchief that they put yeah. all their stuff in. Yeah, when they run uh, away. Holy cow, man! Uh, uh, here you go, Batman reading Batman. This is uh, all the I'm telling you, good. DC Golden Age books really has some goofy covers, so it's literally Batman and Robin reading Batman and Robin. This is Batman issue number eight. 1941. You know what? Two thousand six hundred dollars, four four point five. That's not a bad deal. I don't think. No way. Uh, That's fifteen great, grand for a nine point two. But you got to think. Holy cow! Nineteen forty one. If you can get a four point five, do it. Imagine what that nine point two looks like. That thing is gorgeous. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen like high grade, like Silver Age or high grade Golden Age books. They are gorgeous. They're the, yeah, the most beautiful comics you're ever going to see. Yeah. They own time machines. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite covers here. I don't have it nearly in such a high grade. Uh, classic Jim Steranko. This is the first time the new X-Men logo is used. As you could tell, the last book has, um, as soon as I will find the arrow, see this? Issue 49, this is actually the first appearance of uh, Lorna Dane, later becomes Polaris. And if you look, issue 50 features the new logo. And they've used this logo for quite a few decades. And um, I would say next time, if you ever get a chance to talk to Jim Steranko, in person or online, ask him about that X Men logo, and he will. And he's still salty to this very day because he said, "I didn't get paid a penny for creating the logo, and they use it." And I remember asking him on Twitter about it, and he replied back to me in like a six page, six tw tweet uh, uh, reply to it. But you know, he wasn't being mad at me. He was just going off on like how he didn't get paid for, it. and I was like, "Okay, thanks. Uh, that's that's all I need to know. I don't need any more." <laughs> it's pretty interesting when you think about it, because you know he's very opinionated to say the very least. Uh, crimes by women in 1948. Look at this. She's got her little, uh, she got little guns there. They're climbing over stuff, committing crimes. Holy cow. Crimes oh, these are like, oh, this is prison women, obviously. They're, they're escaping oh. prison. So it's one of those weird like prison fetishes. Oh, yeah. And th yeah, this is definitely pre-code. Uh, so $1,000 for a raw dog in 1940. Man, it's a whole ongoing series. Crimes by women. Look at this. Ah, oh, this is gorgeous. This is I. I would actually buy this as a piece of pop art and hang it on my wall. You know what I mean? I'm bothered by the way that smoke covers her eye. It, it, it's freaking me out. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, it's like somebody who can't draw feet and they, you know, they only draw up to their ankles. You know, what I'm yeah, like, like that cover there. They're all got their feet covered. <laughs> yeah. I, I took art classes in high school. I'm going to tell you, it is the hardest thing to do is to draw a symmetrical face. Uh, and first of all, in human anatomy, nobody has a symmetrical face. It's just impossible. You know, you know, they, you know, cause you know, like models will, they, they typically overemphasize their jaw or something like that. It's almost impossible to have a symmetrical face. So when they teach you how to draw a symmetrical face, you start by drawing like a T then, you know, uh, as kind of blurred out, I don't know, just watch it online. You'll see what I'm talking about. That's why I, I, I stopped drawing. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a pretty good artist back in high school though, because uh, all I did during all my classes would draw. I didn't pay any attention to anything. I was the same way. Yeah. I had so much summer school because of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All oh, summer school is the worst. No air conditioning. Oh, my God. It was awful. Uh, X-Men number two. Look at that. Raw. Really great. For first appearance of the Vanisher. And then, he, then he vanished. Yeah. Second appearance of the X-Men. Raw for $800, man. I got one of these. Not near as high as this, though. Played by I Brad have... Pitt in the Deadpool movie. 
Yeah. I got X-Men <laughs> 2, 3, and a Q-Hop Brothers. I'm just missing issue number one. And uh, I don't th- I, But I think it's uh, beyond my grasp at this point. Uh, oh, wow. Always go- oh, look at this. Man, so this uh, 9.6 now from Nova number one is reaching $623. For a while there, that was the price for a 9.8. Um, look at that. Highest known value, 9.8 from, it was only 2999 Uh This graded 9.6 is now the higher highest known value for, and this is a 9.6. That's wow. pretty crazy. Yeah, because, you know, obviously the news of the Nova, it's, this book only has room to grow. But I remember pe- people have been speculating on this book for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, there's that Sailor Moon book. Uh, oh, here we go. Look at this invincible wraparound cover. Yeah, is that foil cover? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ryan Otley wraparound chromium. Come on. You, not only is it wraparound. Wait, wait for that show to come back. All these, all these Invincible books are going to blow up. Yeah. There's some... I love Invincible. It's one of my favorite books. And like, if you haven't read it, you are, it is the, the cartoon does a great it's job huge. of like doing it, but it is just this massive, but what's going to happen next in like season two and season three, if you read the comics, you know, the crazy things going on that's going to come up in the future. You're not ready for some of this stuff. It's such a good book. It's such a big world building mm-hmm. book that, you know, the, like it, like this, the original first season just scratched the surface of what they could yeah. really do. That's still all earth level stuff. Wait till they get into yeah. the space stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait till they get in space. Um, look at this. Ooh, I look at this. I like this one. Sarah Pacelli comics pro Spider-Man number one, the black and white variant Four ninety nine for raw dog. Oof. Oh, those comic pro variants are always on fire. Always hard to find too. Ah, Good old Madam Web comes back. Come on now. <laughs> I guess they're still going to make a Madam Web. So, uh, me, Spider Man 210, first appearance of Madam Web, $469. Uh, I don't know what the highest known value is. Wow, $22.50 for 9.8. I guess we shall see, man. We shall see what happens with Madam Web. Oh, what is this? Hold on. This looks different. Uh, yeah. This is different. Yeah, this Mega is... Con exclusive. Yeah. Ma- weren't you there, Natalie? Weren't you Mega I wasn't, but I really wanted that book. So what booth was selling this? Was it McFarlane's booth or was it a, how did you get the Megacon exclusive? I guess. I have no idea. Honestly. I love the McFarlane uh, signature boxes and like the bat symbol sign, but yo, 2022 Megacon foil variant, four to $5 for a raw comic. Holy cow. Wow. But I dig (laughs) it though. What? No, there's no, uh, there's no font all pretty much virgin variant. Um, those are those ones that those that, those books get damaged hardcore though. Like if yeah, you travel to MegaCon yeah. and you stuck it in your bag, then you you screwed mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, the thing about foil, they either like nine point eight or they're not, right? Because if they get a something, it's like nine point eight or seven point oh, that's all you're gonna yeah. get out of it. You, you cannot, you cannot. It's impressible because of the way they they make the covers, the the chromium uh, covers. That is just like hardstock covers, right? You can't get the, this is gnarly. They're permanent truth. Look at that, Todd McFarlane doing a one in one hundred. Oh. Very Nosferatu looking, right? That is creepy. Yeah. I didn't know he did a variant cover for that. that that's dope. Yeah, I didn't know I that either. It, I thought it was a foil as well, but no, maybe not. I, yeah. Uh, Todd McFarlane, did he do the inks on it too? Uh, maybe not. There's somebody else's name here, but uh, 351 for Raw. I think that Come name out. is the colorist. I think Todd McFarlane, he inks everything digitally these days, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he loves doing those weird things where he sits at his drawing board and he just talks to you. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> That's how he opened every episode of the Spawn cartoon. And I don't know if anybody's ever he seen was it. Super creepy in Spawn. He was awkward. Like he had no yeah. idea how to be on camera. It's the funniest yeah. thing. 
it was the weirdest thing. And as a kid, you know, and it came on at midnight, you're like, who is this dude? He's fucking, he's creeping me out, man. I don't know who this guy is. Why is this guy just I, sitting in this weird warehouse drawn by himself? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Defenders number 10. I always argue Defenders is the strongest team ever assembled. I mean, you just look at this team. It's got uh, Super, it's got Hulk, Doctor Strange, Namor, Valkyrie, Silver Surfer. Really, you don't even need Hawkeye. I mean, the <laughs> rest of the team could really destroy it, right? <laughs> We're just throwing Hawkeye. Well, Hawkeye must get... be like their waiter or their valet. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you think of the power between Silver Surfer, Namor, Valkyrie, and Hulk, and then you got Doctor Strange doing the mat, uh, sorcery on it. Come on now. Uh, $315 for a raw dog. Not bad at all, man. Uh, yeah. I've seen uh, Into the Multiverse uh, three times now. The last time I Ooh. saw it was in 3D. And uh, it's worth seeing in 3D. It's one of the better conversions you'll see. So, uh, you know, and no, unfortunately, there's only one showing because I think it's near its end of its theatrical run. So I finally seen it. So um, that's it, boys and girls. So uh, we kept everybody within schedule. I know Natalie has to pack and go somewhere. Jeff has to go somewhere. Gabe, any last words? Everybody, thanks for showing up. Uh, thanks for Jeff and, uh, and, and Nat for showing up here. Everybody, you can follow me Instagram, Gabe Loves 90s Comics. Nat, the comic queen. Where can they find you and what do you do? Um, I'm on Instagram at dcomicqueen. Um, everywhere else is pretty much the same. So if you search, it'll come up and dcomicqueen. Um, yes, and thanks for having me on here and inviting me. Yeah, it's not DC Comic Queen, it's D Comic Queen. And make sure you check her out and our friends over at Shortbox. Uh, they do some great stuff over there and they're always doing shows. When's the next show you're going to be at for Shortbox? I'm going to be at San Diego. So. Oh, Yay. San Diego Comic Con. Wow. Yeah. All right. You're doing um, an interview with, uh, with, with Lauren from Torpedo, right? Yeah, I just, I, she was on my chat with Nat today. I have those okay. like on Thursdays. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I'm going to San Diego. I wasn't planning to going with Shortbox. They actually invited me to be on a panel, like a collector's panel. So I'm going to be doing that. And then since I'm there, I mean, I'll be working with uh, like Red Hood and Shortbox and stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm not going uh, because it's just too much. It's I mean, it, you know, it takes a while just to find where the comics are. That's the disappointing part of san diego nowadays but have fun shout out to everybody at shortbox gene uh, they have their uh they are popping up at three men in the basement they're all over the place man so uh you know i'm uh nat I, you know i i'm a little bit uh um why well, i haven't been invited on your show yet on instagram but you know i won't say anything about it you know I'll just maybe another day another time uh not to put you on spot uh but thanks for coming on very last minute you did a great job of uh reading the stuff get jeff jeff from Geek Driven, you got a show in uh, 10 minutes. Where can they find you, brother? Yes, sir. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Geek Driven. Uh, you can also find me on the Team Nerd Herd podcast on YouTube. Uh, we're going to do a mono mail call with the uh, king of the Golden State, James. So uh, you know him from East Meets West, and uh, he's a great member of the community. So go check him out and find out what he's picked up because you know he picks up. So what's the, what's the channel name again on YouTube? It's Team Nerd Herd Podcast. All right. So Team Nerd Herd Podcast, because there's uh, two of them. 
Yeah, there is two. It's the one with the lower subscription amount. We have moved. <laughs> All right. I will link to the uh, video right here so you guys can uh, head on over and support Jeff and, and tell uh, uh, King of Golden State he's full of it. Uh, that's, that's I'm just kidding. I know Jeff. I know I know James for a long time. So yep. thank you to Jeff and Nat and Gabe for everybody. Until next time, boys and girls, keep digging in them long boxes. Peace out.